Today, I am very excited to welcome a very, very talented and a very handsome man with the best beard in the world because <laughs> I've got Tim Gallagher tuning in. What are we saying? We're, we're near Manchester, right? Yeah, well, I was in Manchester for six years. I am now, because of COVID, back with my parents, but having said that, in a very fortunate position to, to be here. So, Well, welcome, welcome to the podcast. You're now in COVID world. How have you been holding up then? I mean, moving back with your parents, that can't be easy. Um, it, well, under normal circumstances, no, it wouldn't be easy, but uh, it's in this kind of period we've been in, it's a time for reflection and I'm very fortunate to be able to, both me and my girlfriend, very fortunate to both come home, we were both from crew originally, and um, kind of live rent-free and reset, as you know, our industry has been absolutely smashed. Yep. Um, so, but I, I'm planning on going back to Manchester in the next six weeks or so, so... Well, I've been missing you. It's been a while. And for people listening right now, uh, and for people familiar with the music that has been coming out recently, Tim has collaborated with me on on Better Love. He's, you are, I mean, I don't want to talk about you in the third person you're right here, but you are <laughs> one of the funnest writers to work with. And I'm so glad you've been part of making this next album. Ah, you never told me that when I was in the session. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. It's the beard. The beard brings the power. What makes me so fun? You know what? I think it's like, I think it's, I could just listen to your voice forever and it and it's no shock to me to see what's happening with your social media right now because whether you're coming up with melodies that I can dream of in a million years whether you're like ripping up some Maya riffs like what just everything that you're doing in the uh -huh. studio is just it fascinates me and you know Tim was down with with us in Rack recently in London when we had that little gap with Corona didn't we where we where we got a few recording sessions in and yeah I I, I mean I just it's just great vibes every time you're in and to see what you're doing now to watch your Instagram profiles, your TikTok profiles kicking off with that voice is really exciting. And I really want to have this conversation uh, for a lot of people listening and I want to dive into it. I want to dive into you, what your upbringing was into music and then we're going to talk about what's happening with you on TikTok right now and how that's helping your career. So I don't even know where to start. I mean, how did you even get into <laughs> music in the first place? Um, well, to be honest, I've... Thank you, firstly. That was very nice. Um, to be honest, I uh, kind of had no choice because my, my family, although like, you know, on a on a semi-pro kind of level, were all involved in music. My mum sings, my dad sings. My dad in particular, I think, was um, the kind of person that I looked up to and probably influenced me the most in terms of my musical taste. Um, but for as long as I can remember, Mark, I've been, I've, I've been singing. I mean, when I say that I've that is what I've wanted to do since I was five and what I've kind of in tunnel vision on, on doing legit was since I was five, that, that kind of vision has never wavered. So, um, yeah, my dad got me into all the old school rock and roll guys, the soul guys. He was in a rock and roll band himself. Um, did kind of like a Frankie Valley and the four seasons tribute. So that's where all the falsetto stuff comes from. Um, all the high pit singing, um, but yeah, man, just just been just been involved. Even my extended family, you know, they're all they're all big. I've just been heavily surrounded by music, so it feels like it was um, just a natural progression, I, I suppose. I think you can hear it in your vocal, though. There's a lot of that old school throwback soul sound to it. Like you say, a lot of falsetto. I don't know how you sing that high, and it's it's interesting <laughs> to hear that a lot of your references you would you would say, I guess, are like really throwing it back. 
Yeah, I, I was I was brought up on really old school music, mm. um, and it was only at a later age when I got into um, into into pop music, I guess, and into writing, which um, was probably not as natural as um, and the guitar, not as natural as 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 my upbringing as as a singer. Um, but yeah, I like to think that I maintain them roots in what I do now. And and to be honest, that's what, that's what I love. Like if I'm going to go and listen to music, yes, I love current music. I love contemporary pop. I love all kinds of genres, but I just love listening to, to you know, Stevie Wonders, Luther Vandrosses, the soul guys. When I hear soul in someone's voice, it, it gets me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, um, that's my foundations. I think. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day on a recent episode called Billy Lockett and we were chatting about whether or not you cringe hearing your own voice. What's your what's your standpoint on that? Um surely you yes, can't I would, you no, can't cringe. No, no, it. Marks, trust me, trust yeah. me, trust me. I, I, I there would have been a time when I did. But now I hear it that bloody much. Like I'm not I don't listen to myself and think, oh yeah, that's absolutely sick. Like yeah. I'm kind of sick of it. But because I'm so you remember a time when, I don't know whether you have this now, when you used to listen to your voice back and everyone gets it, even people that aren't, aren't singers, you listen to the voice back and like, oh my God, do I really sound like that? I feel like because of the nature of what we do with, uh, particularly what I'm doing, recording myself and hearing myself back, you must have heard your own voice back God knows how many times with on record and on this podcast and so on and so forth. I'm used to it now. Like I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Mm. So it's just kind of neither here nor there. Um, but I do remember... I remember recording myself in, in the studio for the first time when I've been like 12 or 13 and hearing it back and being like, that's me. Like being really, people are, aren't they? People are kind of like, do I really sound like that? Whether it's talking or singing. Um, but now I'm, I'm just so used to it because every day I'm kind of filming myself and listening to myself back. And Well, um, that brings me on to what I've seen in terms of your development because we've known each other a couple of years now and just your profile is just kind of like, taken on a life of its own because you are filming yourself like every day it's like that's part of the nature of our job now isn't it you are there yeah. whether you're making tiktoks and reels and you're doing stories and you're tweeting and you're on facebook live and you're doing youtube stuff and then you release the music and you're on spotify it's like this absolute onslaught of content 24 7 and i've got to say you're one of the people and and really that's kind of the main thing around this podcast episode like you're one of the people in my opinion that is killing it in that game because of the authenticity in your voice. You see so many people coming through these platforms who are like, think, you know, they, they want to sing or they want to show off some talents and they can rise and fall. But like what's happening in your platforms is down to like massive work ethic of getting these bits of content out, but also like your vocal. And it, and it makes me wonder where you have this heritage concept of music and like you've got these idols, these legendary icons that have, really grafted and they've done those tours and they've gone grassroots all the way through they've had these epic careers having those people as your icons and then coming into our new world where it's like tiktok 15 second videos <laughs> like just how how is it making you feel like how where are you how are you dealing mentally with the pressure that is on artists now to be across all of these different platforms well, I, I can't. I caved in with. I'm pretty consistent on on socials, but I was very adamant to. I had an opinion of TikTok, and I, I can almost guess that you had uh, a similar view. I thought it wasn't. Um, I thought it was something that it wasn't. I didn't realize it appealed to all kinds of different content, and you know, with the algorithm being so refined, it's like you can really find like your niche, and your video goes to the right people. Um, 
Like, for example, I did a D'Angelo song. It literally went to strictly D'Angelo fans, whereas, you know, other forms of social media aren't, aren't quite the same. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's... Um, it's 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 strange, man. Um, I'm I, I, I'm in a position now where because it's been so long since we performed live, um, I, I feel like I for, it's made me forget how to do that. I'm so used to um, kind of fine tuning and making sure you get perfect takes, and then so now when I do a live performance, for example, I, I, I performed a live version of my of my last single. Um, a few months ago and we recorded it, I wasn't happy with it. And obviously I wasn't happy with it because I didn't have a thousand takes at it and and the ability to put something out that was like, I suppose it's social media in general, isn't it? That's, that's, the, that's, that's my issue with it is that it promotes this um, perfect take, perfect lifestyle, showing the best side of your... Of, of of your life and kind of creating this image that just isn't accurate and it's the same for me as a vocalist i'm i'm putting out um perfect takes of things well as close as i can feel like i can get to perfect and i'm not happy with anything less so um aside from the positives of all the growth that it that it's got me and all the things it's done for my for my career that is um that is definitely um been one of the downsides to it and it's it's unhealthy and I beat myself up about live performances now and um I'm nitpicking on things that aren't perfect. In reality, them imperfections are, are fine. No one notices it. Um so yeah, man, I kind of I have gone off on a tangent there with a the question I actually forgotten the actual question, but You know what? It's um, a great little rabbit hole to go down because I definitely feel where you're, where you're at there. And it's almost the audio equivalent of like the front cover model thing, isn't it? It's like all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're making it normal to see these 15 second window clips of performances that just look impeccable they're like perfect and they're graded with color and they're compressed and they're and it it does it almost seems to me like when I'm listening to you talk and you'll be connecting with a lot of people who listen because there's musicians who listen to to this podcast quite a lot it's you're really starting to hit the nail on the head and especially what's the best way of saying this especially you where you've positioned yourself as a capable vocalist do you know what i mean like your your videos are technically intricate you're doing very intricate runs you know your pitching is very you know impressive scales and it's like now that you've set that precedence there's always that bar that if you if you like fuck something up or if you do something wrong then what's going to happen people are going to be like oh yeah and they're going to start giving you shit for it and and then we have this battle of going, well, what do you want? Do you want authentic or do you want perfect? And what, what is actually going to be in demand now? And I think what you're hitting on is this unsettling feeling that we're moving away from the organic concept of art, aren't we? It's not like, you know, I remember, I remember watching some YouTube video of like the Stones playing like Honky Tonk Women in, in like Wembley or some shit ages ago. And it was like off key and, and everything was just fucked. But the vibe on stage was amazing. And I could only imagine... If, of like being there and that is what i think i i feel we're maybe losing yeah we're missing the we're missing the energy and the emotion of being present in a room um i've done many a performance you know and it's not it's not in an arrogant way where i've where something that has happens to have been filmed and at the time i thought oh god that the crowd's reaction was great i absolutely killed it um that was mint and i've watched it back and i'm like 
God, I'm, yeah, I sound yeah. awful. This is a common thing. <laughs> I thought yeah, I yeah. nailed yeah. that. <laughs> Mate, that's 100% because there's something about audio. Like when you're in a room and you're actually at a gig and, you, and you're listening to that vocalist live, that ambience and the crowd noise and the, and the reverb and the way that it echoes around a room, it, you're just immersed in it. And, if you, and yeah. it's all about perspective, this shit, isn't it? It's all about the perspective of what point in what mood, whether it's quiet or whether it's loud or you've got headphones or it's on a phone or whatever. So a performance that you just know was magic and this is so common, it must be common for, for musicians or anyone who's performed or spoken publicly, when you know you've got a great energy in the room, it never comes across on camera. It's like trying to take a picture of the moon with your phone, right? Like that's always a great analogy. It's like, it's never gonna get it and and that's okay, but maybe we're living in a world now where we're looking through the phone screen much more than we're looking at the moon. Yeah, it's quite, what's frightening is it's becoming kind of more normal to start you know, I think TikTok is a great example of capturing. I feel like the people that have the best success are the people that can capture moods, capture an aesthetic. Um, so, for example, the things that do better for me on TikTok, as, a, as opposed to anything that's technically good, maybe some runs or, 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 or vocal gymnastics, whatever you want to mm. call them, things that do well for me are things that um, are emotive and um, capture I look back on all the videos that have that have got better numbers they all have the running theme is that they're capturing an emotion and people are connecting with that so I think that if you can if you can manage that to the best of your ability which you're not going to 100% get as opposed to being in, in a room or in a gig um, we're never going to quite manage that but if you can capture um a mood, people, an aesthetic, people, people um, connect with that. And how do you feel it's affecting your career? If you think about your streaming, and if you think about the the wider kind of business of Tim Gallagher, for want of a better way of putting it, having now developed quite a following through TikTok, doing your videos and making your content, how do you feel it's actually affecting the grander picture of what you're doing as an artist? Well, it's not. It's not, it's, 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 it's this weird funnel TikTok is. I, I suppose your followers kind of aren't your followers because of the nature of the way the platform's set up. We've had a chat about this in the past, haven't we? Um, people on TikTok look, scroll through this thing called the For You page. So essentially like, their main focus is the algorithm putting out content to people that they would like. And secondary to that is your following page, um, which isn't the first thing that you go on. So people are actually looking at the content that the algorithm's spurting out as opposed to the people that they follow. So the following number is a little bit, a little bit distorted. Um, so my following in a sense hasn't, it's just put a load more eyes on me. A lot more industry people have got in contact, be it labels, managers, so on and so forth. Um, it's helped grow my Instagram. It's helped grow my YouTube, interestingly enough, which kind of caught me out guard, off guard a little bit. Um, it's definitely benefited me, not as much as probably what it looks like outside looking in. Um, I think that's of... what I'm keen to learn about because, mm -hmm. and I'll give reference, like I was talking to another guest on the podcast, Kelvin Jones, is a good friend of mine. He's out in Germany. He's like in the charts. He's got like insane streaming numbers. And, and he was 
really given a bit of behind the scenes of going whilst superficially it like looks really impressive and the numbers are so huge it's like <laughs> sometimes there is this this disconnect and i'm kind of interested to know that for you when when people are looking at your stuff it just looks like you're just exploding and then you just don't really know what's happening behind the scenes and how that actually manifests itself for an artist in the career and to, and to put it in a different way i know that there will be people looking at you being like oh my god if only i could get the sort of following that tim gallagher has if only i could do this and that then i would be able to sign a record deal sell out wembley stadium etc etc you know what i mean so i'd like i'd love to hear your thoughts on it yeah it's not it's definitely not what it i said well like anyone in any career once your boundaries go further you kind of you never take stock to look at the progress and look at the numbers and how far you've actually come you always feel like you're in the same position right to an extent does that make sense definitely, yeah um, but yeah, Mark, just re- re- what, what, what was the actual question again? It's, it's more diving into like how the following on TikTok manifests itself for you and your career and your streaming and, and what it actually kind of attains because it's hard to tell, isn't it, with TikTok? Is it a transitional fleeting thing or is it a really substantial backbone of what you're doing? There is um, res- residual kind of people off the back of videos that do well, that do come across to Instagram do invest, do become solid fans. Spotify, the numbers have gone up across all my socials. Um, I've managed to turn my, so my Instagram account initially when I started off, uh, I came from a position of about 1,500 followers and I was um, on a really low point of my career, um, kind of coincided with the first session we did. Can't remember when that, January 2019 Yeah, so I started doing instagram ads you froze there you're back okay cool Um, i was probably just really still (laughs) you were yeah so i i started off by doing instagram ads growing that way investing a lot of money uh, and with the nature of that you kind of get you get bots Mm -hmm. you get people who aren't really interested people that follow you for a follow back um, when the ads finish, you then start. So it's like this this ascending climb. It's like, oh, I'm getting a couple of hundred followers a day. This video is doing really well. I'll just keep putting loads of money on it. The money stops. The following starts to kind of creep backwards. It's an addictive game as well, right? Because people start learning how social ads work and they start seeing the results and they're like, well, holy shit, like I can build a career here. But Instagram and Facebook, they know these tricks and they know that it's an addictive well, what's, process. What's the goal? What's the goal? Is it, are, you, are, you, are you doing these ads for the, the following number? Because I know, pl- I know plenty of uh, friends and people in the industry that have 100, 200,000 followers, but their skin, their engagement's down. The goal is um, to get more streaming numbers, to, to um, invest in your career so that you can continue to do it financially. The goal is 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 both uh, to reach more people with your music and to um, benefit financially, as opposed to a number on a, a follow account. Right? That doesn't that that's that's not what the goal is. But my my point being, um, I managed to. So my my Instagram account, although it, it grew significantly and I got loads of more fans from from promotions. When the promotions were off, it was a decline. I was a, I was in negative. I would get like twenty followers a day, and I would lose thirty. TikTok's turned that round, and I don't invest anymore. So, I'm not spending any money. And now I look at my Instagram, and it's regardless if I post or not, my account is in 
the green yeah. and it's growing and that's because of TikTok. So um, it's kind of turned that tide. I haven't invested in ads since um, November last year. When you were losing, when you were losing money, uh, sorry, not losing money, when you were losing followers, you said you spent the money in ads, then you stop and then the followers start to decrease. Do you think that's because <laughs> a lot of them were robotic do you think that was just because people were getting bored and and actually manually unfollowing like why why do you think that slow decline was happening well i think the people it's quite you'll know yourself i think when when you see an ad you know that you're being marketed to so i actually think it's quite difficult to get people on board with that mm. i think the amount of actual organic followers that you get off the back of that is very very small you get people that follow for being a botted account you get people that follow because they want to follow back. Mm. You get people that follow but aren't really too invested or that interested. And then you kind of collect a few um, hardcore fans, which definitely my ads achieved. I've got people um, that are still invested in me now. It's like day one since um, I first started doing that. Well, I'll, I'll, bring um, you, I'll bring you in on something that I haven't told you. And I, I haven't really told any people... Um, yeah, but it's an interesting breakdown in this whole social media thing that's going on because firstly, you're right. TikTok is algorithmically boosting stuff. It's taking, you know, kid in their bedroom, doing a cover, putting it in front of millions of people overnight, like bang. And that attraction is what's dripping down the pyramid, so to speak. And like, so, so many people are realizing the opportunity and like me and you and like everyone else, they're finding their way to, you know, have, have a slice of the pie. Do you know what I mean? And I think that the difference is Instagram, where it's so saturated already and the news feeds are so saturated because the user base is so big, it just can't do that. So it's got to like cultivate uh, and it's got to curate the news feed. Whereas TikTok, they're just sitting there like, it's Wild West. If you do something that's good, we're going to boost it like crazy. Now, we had approach. I've actually got uh, Chloe here at the moment who's helping with the, with the podcast and she's basically creative director for everything we're, we're, we're doing. And she had an email from uh, a team from Instagram and this is something that I found really interesting and if any other musicians have had this or anyone else who's listening has had this I would really like to hear from you because Instagram has basically put a load of these massive funds together given them to subsidiary like labels and stuff and asked those labels to source creators with a reasonable following to start using reels under a set of rules where they can't repurpose the content into TikTok and to me, I was thinking, wow, like, is that the stage that we're going to get to? It's like now Instagram's realized that TikTok's jumped the gun on them. They realize they're losing people. And now they're paying fortunes to creators to try and get them to use Reels and not use TikTok. And it just seems so backwards to me that this is happening. And we, do, we were actually in a position where, I mean, Chloe, do you remember what, how many bits of content it was? It was like, it was crazy. Like, like we're talking like 60, 70 bits of content over a couple of weeks, something, something nuts. We just couldn't commit to it. And we, we declined the offer uh, out of the fact that we oh, just... Oh, they, they, off, they, they asked you to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to do that. Yeah. And, and this is just something that I think, well, is that, is that a taste of what's to come now? Is it going to get to the point where people realize the value of having the creators on the program <clears throat> to the point that they're actually going to end up paying money to to get them to use the platform under the rules that they'll be exclusive. It's like, is it one day that Tim Gallagher is going to get an email and they're going to go, okay, we're going to give you this amount of money, but you can only use TikTok and you can't use any other platforms. That would be my 
that's that's my natural forecast of where I think this is all going. I think it was very obvious that they were pushing people to reels. I didn't even need you to tell me that to know that because my yep. engagement on a reel, if you notice my Instagram now, I only use reels pretty much. Yep. The engagement on reels and the amount they push reels as opposed to a, a regular post is um, is ridiculous. I, I think, you know, I'm, I maybe get five to 6,000 views on a, on, a, on a regular Instagram post, a video, um, and 30,000 upwards on, on, on reels. It, up to like 80,000, it's crazy. When you said about how you're realizing what works and what doesn't, I'll tell you what scares me a little bit, right? When I listen to your album, like you've got some really amazing songs across the record. And from what I'm hearing from you and what I'm hearing from a lot of creators is this convergence into creating stuff that they're figuring out works algorithmically. And it's like, well, where does that lead us as well? Because let's say, for example, you throw back to these legendary icons that you grew up, you, li you listen to. And a lot of these records, uh, there's, there's the big tunes, there's the big hits, and then there's this really incredible depth, this web of other like, amazing songs amongst the record. And that, that's part of that like, cohesive connection that you have with an artist. And now, whether it's you, me, you know, if Freddie Mercury was still around or anyone that you'd want to name, you can clearly see this, this boxing in where it's just like, you know that if you you now know that if you do the soft acoustic emotional ballad, you know that's going to hit more eyeballs than if you do like a different style of song. And now now all of a sudden you're 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 boxing yourself in almost if you're going to make, which most people would think the intelligent choice to to make creations that are going to give you a career so you can do it and eat, <laughs> you can survive as an artist. Yep. Fast forward this five years, can you see yourself being in a very different position? Um. It's the most frightening part of, of, of TikTok is exactly that. Particularly, uh, I don't know, I've not noticed that with Instagram. Um, TikTok kind of pigeonholed me. So the first video that went off for me was this cover of D'Angelo. Like I just put it up like I, I like the song, right? Um, and then all of a sudden I was pigeonholed into kind of this R&B guy. And it's not, whereas my roots are, are from that and I'm heavily influenced by soul and R&B. I was like, shit, can we swear on this? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, all right. Like, ITV like, won't drop me or some shit. You're good. Cool, yeah, Sam. Yeah. Um, you don't know these days, do you? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, shit, I, 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 I'm going to have to keep doing this. And there's only so much of it I can do. And actually, by me doing that, it kind of becomes disingenuous and fake mm. um, because I'm doing what, what I think people want me to do. Um, but... I think you can't, I don't actually think it's completely true. I think you just um, have to, I think it's very important when you go on TikTok to just post the content that you want to post and the content that you would perform um, live and irrespective of, take take the, the, the badly performing posts on the chin. I'm so guilty of that. I'm like, I'm not posting that because it's only going to get a few hundred likes. So what? A few hundred people have seen it. Um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't promote any of my singles on TikTok because I was like, oh, people aren't gonna people aren't gonna connect with it. I'll just hope that they come over to Instagram and then hope from Instagram they come over to my Spotify or some other funnel to my Spotify. Um, but then you know I kind of had a word with myself and my girlfriend also is like just just put it up. Some people are gonna see it, so just post. It's very important to stay true to yourself, and it's very difficult to do that when um, you're getting a lot of clout from doing one particular thing. It's like, well, keep doing that because, you know, likes, 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 views, views, views. That's not the goal. That's not the goal. While it's helpful, while it helps you to grow, 
the goal is, I, I don't, I'm not going to throw TikTok or any social media under the bus, but I don't want to be a TikToker. I don't want to be an Instagram celeb, artist, vocalist, whatever you want to call it. I want to sell out venues and I want people to come and buy, buy tickets to my shows. I want to be on people's uh, playlists. I want people to listen to my music. Uh, and it's easy to get sucked into that kind of um, I'd almost social say, media world. I'd almost say it's not even getting sucked into. I'd say it's almost become a de facto rule. Because if I unpack what you were just saying, you're like, I want to sell out venues. I want people to listen to me on Spotify. I want people to come to shows. It's like the middleman exposure opportunities are few and far between in the world. Radio, TV, social media, whatever you're going to call it. So if you're if you're interfacing with an exposure opportunity and it's like you can go down path A and do soppy acoustic ballad again and reach two million people or you can do your original organic thing that you, you stay true to yourself and hit 100 people. You're like by the factor of thousands more likely to attain your real world goals by playing that game and platforms like TikTok they don't give a shit about whether or not you sell venues. They just no. want people to stay in the app so they can put advertising in front of them. Mm-hmm. So surely, like I've, I fear TikTok, TikTok is probably on the verge of that in the next twelve months. I would guess in the, on the, in the verge of what? Sorry, Be, being what? Inst- I feel like we're in the honeymoon phase of, of TikTok, yeah. and, and I'm guessing. I, I actually don't know. I hope it isn't the case, um, but I don't think. Well, all all previous social medias have gone that way, haven't they? Um, There's a natural order of it, and this is something I've I've looked into a fair bit. And it's like I always think of it as the, the the content bottleneck. If if you don't if you have enough content to show on phones, it's like okay, crack on, put the content on phones. When Facebook started, you probably followed five people, and th- and they weren't producing enough content to fill your newsfeed. So your newsfeed was just like you know. Auntie Margaret's got a new cat and whatever. And, it, and it's like, okay. <laughs> and then social media starts to really understand and go, hold on, if we can get the content that is addictive and we can get clickbait and news and whatever and we can get marketers coming in and target the right people. And before you know it, there's, I mean, I'm thinking, I think the last time I looked, it was like 14,000 photos a second or something. It's probably 10 times that now. There's so much content hitting a newsfeed when a social media platform reaches maturity. Because you're right, we are in the honeymoon phase of, of TikTok. They will soon get to the point where there's a complete bottleneck crunching. And that is the point where the only way, the only way for it to move forward is to take all of the, the bottlenecked content and rank order it from most likely to keep people in the platform to least likely to. And then, and then, and then that's it. And then off you go. It will be monetized. I mean, I mean, maybe it'll be an anomaly and, and they won't go down that route because it won't, because um, that's just, that's just the nature of supply and demand in business. I, 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 think, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Um, but it is very, it's very unique in the sense that you can have an account with zero followers and you can have an account with two and three million followers and essentially they're not quite at the same starting position, but it's not far off. My content can get way more views than someone with five and six million. Everyone's competing. It gives, it's a level playing field. Mm. It's a, it's a level playing field. So there's definitely pros and cons to it, but that is what is so fascinating about TikTok. Do you think that's Um, how, now you've said that, a little light's gone on in my brain. Do you think that is the move that has outmaneuvered Instagram is because they've Absolutely. just said, you know what, this could be your very first post and it doesn't matter. Think about your Instagram newsfeed 
everything is either an influencer promoting something. Everyone's promoting something and, mm. and it's very obvious. We're all being marketed to, right? Um, and I think that's why my Instagram account was in the red because my strategy was um, pay Instagram to put my stuff in front of people. But the, the, um, the caveat with that is that it will say sponsored on the post. So people know that they're being marketed mm. to and people don't like that. So uh, that's why I think that I was losing the followers. Now with TikTok, it's organic. It's organic. People don't think they're being marketed to. People are just seeing me sit, play my guitar and sit and sing a song. And people are like, I like that. I'm going to follow him. So um, Instagram now, my point being is that it's just this big commercial shit show where the average person has been cast aside and everyone is just market, market, market. It's all fancy. Video is edited. Nice pictures. Perfect. It's just... And when we do a podcast in a, year time, in a year's time, we'll probably be saying exactly the same about where TikTok's going. But this, Potentially. this is the point of what I wanted to dive into. We had a really interesting chat the other day and I wonder what your forecast is. Like, tell people about your strategy and how you're looking at this and how you're hoping it's going to get you to the next stage in your career? Well, I think I think the last couple of years for me where I've noticed the, the most growth has been a case of just doing it, mm. just jumping on the platform and doing it and figuring it out as, as you go. Um, the biggest lesson that TikTok has taught me, it's done wonders for me, um, but I was on it late. And we're still in the honeymoon phase, right? But the biggest lesson it's taught me is that when something comes up, get on it. When an opportunity comes up, an app is in its um, its infancy in, the, in that honeymoon phase where growth, organic growth is really, the ceiling for that is very high. Jump on it, just do it. Don't care what people think about you. Don't care what your friends think about you. Essentially, they don't give a shit. Um, jump on the next bandwagon. If it's not a bandwagon, you, what have you lost? Mm. You know, the the potential for growth on, hey, and you see it with, with, in, with the old school Instagrammers back in the day, right? My friend, a uh, guy called Chris Liggett, an amazing guitar player, um, we worked together quite a lot. He built up um, a best part of a 20,000 following on Instagram, which is pretty solid for just a guitar player by just doing what I'm doing on TikTok now. Difference is, he was on it in 2014, 2015, where you would hashtag it and people would... You know, you remember you would hashtag on Instagram and you'd post and you would get like 50 likes in a second because yeah, yeah. it would it would go through it would it, it would travel whereas now you know they 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 took out um post being in chronological order I feel like that was I, I think that was the end of it do you, and then I mean, came do you struggle to keep up though do you find the pressure like how do you handle it mentally you need to be everywhere how do you handle scheduling your time doing all of these videos posting daily on multiple platforms how how do you cope well, I'm just doing it, Mark. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm figuring it out as I go along. Yes, there's a loose structure to it, but I'm not, I'm not rigid in my days. I'm not rigid in my way of thinking. I'm just, you know, I try to record pretty much every day. Sometimes I won't record. Sometimes I will. I try to post every day on TikTok, every couple of days on Instagram. But if I'm not feeling up to it, I'll take the day off. It is, it is draining. It is mentally draining. But don't. If you build it up to be this this big thing and you think, oh, well, I've got so far to go, I've got so much to do, how am I going to do this, how am I going to do that? Every day I've got to... Just just dive in, take it each day, do what you can um, and, and and wing it. Figure it out as you as you go. It's damn sight better than not doing it. Do you know what I mean? And it's a damn sight better than the... F I've been in the feeling, I've had the feeling where I'm totally... Um, stale 
I'm, I'm, I, I was stagnant. I, I'd, I'd avoided posting on Instagram. And I remember that feeling of looking at other people doing well and thinking, have, have they, have they got there? How have they built this following? Why haven't I got that? And it's because I wasn't active. Mm. Um, so just, just start, just do it and just be consistent. Make a commitment to yourself to be, um, consistent, take time off. If you need to take time off, we all take time off. I've had in this last couple of years, periods where um, I've really struggled and taken a week and a couple of weeks off. Um, when you say but, you've really struggled, in what in what sense? Just the workload, like mentally, like what do you mean? Uh, different things with with with, with the pandemic, mm. with loss in the family. Unfortunately, um, that was when I took a couple of weeks off. Um, but different 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 challenges come up being. Uh, you, you know, pigeonholed into into a genre. It's, it's all kinds of different things just just pop up along the way. But is that something um, that that affects you? In in does it feel like some in some way kind of a threat to be like pigeonholed and to feel like if you if you now do something that's different to what most people like, they're going to somehow not have that same support? Or I don't, I don't think it's actually being pigeonholed. I think it was the that I'd been pigeonholed into something that I thought wasn't me, and then me continuing to not be me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to not have to be me. What? That's the least fulfilling thing I can possibly think of. It makes me um, think of an interesting question. And I've asked this to a couple of creators, creatives <clears> that I know. <throat> Given the fact that all of this pressure to be on many platforms, to dedicate good time, to make good content for, you know, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, whatever. What do you think would be better between binning all of that off and just focusing every day in just writing and writing and writing original music. No, forget it. Forget it, you can't. You can't do that. I think you know that as well. You cannot do that. I mean, it's it's tough. I A little while ago, I, I had a mentor um, who did exactly that. And my first album was the, was the birth of nearly a two-year period where I was given the very simple directive to do nothing. And, and bear in mind that I had a project back then, all cancelled, all tours pulled, everything stopped. And it was when, I, when the, the COVID project was going to be starting. And it was like, you're doing nothing apart from writing songs every single day. And that was my job was to, to create demos, basic demos, send them, send them, send them, send them, send them. What year was that? Jesus, I'm trying to remember. I mean, 2016, probably. Did, I... I, I do you think the advice would be the same now? Because that's five years. Lots changed. I know, but put it this way. After that period, there was, uh, there was like 300, 400 songs. It, there was so many. And the, the massive majority of them were, were absolutely wank. Like they really were. They were just shit. <laughs> then the 20% were like reasonable. And off the 20%, it was like we made 10. And then we made Running Underwater. Still not hit record. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm releasing independently, but like still... There's a couple of songs there that I just genuinely feel in my gut are really strong, but it's still not a record that would compete with like the top of the fucking Billboard charts or whatever. But the yeah. but the main question that I keep that I keep thinking of in my head is, let's say that Tim Gallagher says mm. I'm not going to do any of this social media game. I'm not going to play any of it. I'm just going to spend the next two years writing every day, every day, every day. And then at the end of that two years, you do have a hit. You do write a This City by Sam Fisher or you do write a, you know, Sorry Not Sorry, Demi Lovato. Or you do write, you know, a Taylor. Just whatever the, whatever the example you want to give. 
how do you think that changes? Because focusing on your original art to that level and then dropping a song that influences like me and you would want to cover and it's the sam fisher thing's a great example if you create a purely genius song like this city is you've got people like me and you queuing up on tiktok wanting to cover it spreading that original concept to our thousands of followers and that's dripping to other thousands of followers and that potentially is a complete like antidote potentially to what me and you and thousands of others get sucked into i think a couple of things on that do you think the city is a great example. I'll talk more about that. Do you think if I, a, a hit song, and I mean, let's say I've got a song now and it's a hit, like if it's marketed properly through a label, if Ed Sheeran releases it, it's number one for 12 weeks, mm-hmm. right? Let's say I've got that song. Hopefully I have somewhere. <laughs> um, do you think that me being in the position I'm at, I'm at, if I put that out, do you think that can go and be that song independently? Now more than ever. You really believe that? Yes, and I'll. And do you do you do you do you think you because I I might not be a hundred percent accurate on 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 the, the Sam Fisher song, but that's 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 a that became a huge song, right? That was taken down, and it was re um, released mm-hmm. through a label, and I think I, I think it was around about twenty seventeen when my friend showed me that song, uh, and I was like, God, this is an amazing song. But it kind of did the numbers that, that you've done. In fact, I think, which is great, by the way, I think it's done less numbers than some of your be- be- better performing songs at that time. Okay. And then this label, yeah. it seems like this label come on board, took that great song yeah. and give it everything it needed to be a huge song. But it wasn't, it wasn't going to get there. Yes. Now, Cut, by yeah, the way, if, yeah. if if someone wants to if someone wants to correct me on that, I might not be a hundred percent like factual on that. But I think I think, you're, I think you're spot happened. on. I mean, I, as <laughs> as you know, I'm I've got a foot plugged into the industry for a, a lot of reasons, and I think that you can take many artists. I wanna I wouldn't really want to drag that Zoe Wees into this, but I probably would because I think part of her campaign. She wrote that song Control. It's like just one of the best songs written in, in a long time. And my mate Renee Miller, uh, Renee Miller, uh, wrote that with her. And I remember it's like they had the song. It was just a smash. It's just a big song. But there is the there is the method of upscaling. It's like if you're an independent, you drop it on Spotify and it's like, well, hold on. The save rate on this song's amazing. It's an amazing song. And it might not necessarily do crazy numbers, but you can see the ratio of listeners and engagements. Like there's really something going on here. It works. And, and yeah, I yeah, do think totally. that... I do think that whether you look at This City or, or Control by Zoe Weiss or you do look at these songs, they will they will share and spread and they'll have a really long, long tail of slowly growing. But I think the difference is, is if a label isolates that, if a Columbia or a Polydor or whatever comes along and goes, right, we can see that this is doing what we need a song to do if it's a hit. They just have that uh, unbeatable power to implement press, radio, TV, online strategies on with their teams, with boots on the ground to talk to people and TV. But they have this massive infrastructural thing that... You can't just replicate through TikTok and, and, and no. digital, digital, digital algorithms. So with this city, I think, and, and this is a long way of answering your question, because if your question is, if me as Tim Gallagher has a genuine hit song in my pocket, would I, would I release it independently and would it, would it be a hit? I do think it would. And Olivia Rodriguez is a bad example because I know she was Disney and whatever, but like driving license, 
is just an incredible song. It almost doesn't matter who you are. If you listen to it, you're like, wow, it that's is. amazing. Now, now I believe that she still has that distributed through her own independent label. I, I, and again, I could be wrong. I don't know the facts. But I do believe that nowadays, there's no reason why you couldn't drop an original chorus of a song. TikTok could explode because they love it and people share it and people start going crazy and your Spotify numbers go up. And because Spotify sees that you're driving good engagement to your profile, Spotify boosts it in the algorithms because it's like, this is going to keep people listening to Spotify because it's Tim Gallagher songs a hit. And this power dynamic is, is morphing and there's this strange opportunity. Instagram are all of a sudden going, well, we need people in our platform. So if there's a bit of content that he's put on Instagram that we can boost to, to compete against TikTok, and before you know it, the actual creation becomes the only thing that has some intrinsic value. So I think that now we're finally at a point where technology is is leveling up and going, holy shit, like we can think about art a bit differently now and the power that it has. And that's my really long-winded answer that could be totally wrong, but that's my best shot. No, I think there's there's um, a lot right within that. I just believe that it can do well to a point. And then there's the, there's the very few exceptions, like um, the two people you just mentioned. Is it Olivia Rodrigo yeah, yeah. and what Zoe? We I've heard. Did Zoe Weezy's song blow up through TikTok or did that blow up just by... It, I think it was just a great song. I remember... I'm trying to replay it back. I mean, I should do a podcast with Renee and I'll get him on and I'll, I'll ask him to explain that one. Because I remember he wrote yeah. it and it was like, I've written a fucking hit. And it was like, well, that's, that is massive. And then before you knew it, it was doing quite well on Spotify and the algorithms were picking it up. And then I remember like the BBC synced it on something. I was sitting here watching TV and I heard Zoe Weiss's control. And then the, the, the positive feedback loop began for her. And it was just, it was just a great song and everyone wanted a piece of it. Yeah. So I, my, my opinion would be very, very, very few exceptions can do it. There's anomalies in everything, right? Um, but also very, very few truly great pieces of art. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be a ridiculous world if there was loads. Um, but I think there's a lot that will go under the radar and won't get to the potential that they actually have without that big machine behind them. So they're coming back to the original point of do you think you can focus on just also, right? If you have just a hit, again, is that, I mean, depending on what level it is, is, is that the goal? I would I would argue no. Like we want we want a, a listenership through throughout all of our songs and people to come to shows and longevity in the music industry and a, a, a music career, not just something that went viral on TikTok and you know got four or five million Spotify streams. As great as that sounds, mm. that's not going to no. I, that's not I gonna definitely sustain the rest of your life. I definitely see your point there. And the way the way I think about it is like if we imagine it as a spectrum from from zero to ten, the game in a way is to create like art to create three minutes of, of audio that actually resonates and connects with someone like mm. big or small and then on that on that sliding scale there's there's you know from zero you're going up and then at some point you hit oh i can i can pay rent now <laughs> and then there's the point of going yeah. oh i can actually now be a musician and actually do this as a job because enough people enjoy what i'm doing to support what i'm doing then it goes right up to uh to creating something so great that the whole world stops and stops and, and takes note. And it probably sounds a bit like, uh, so, probably sounds a bit self-indulgent and greedy, but like I've always aimed to try and create something like that. I, in my dream as a musician has always been, I would love to make a song that just captivates 
the world's attention. That that excites me. And, I, and I'm always fascinated when I see people in my circles, Zoe being a great example, Sam Fisher being a great example. And, and you've watched them, you go, holy shit, like that's so cool. You've made that song and mm. it's brilliant and the whole world actually respects you for it. And my friend Kelvin's another great example where he's just made some absolutely brilliant songs. And and yeah, that that is my aiming. That's my, that's my dartboard, I guess. I don't think, I think, I think that's 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 how it should be mm. because okay very few people achieve that but absolutely everyone that doesn't aim for that doesn't achieve it exactly i mean mate <laughs> I'm, literally, a, I'm a million miles from achieving it but i'm very very lucky i'm very lucky that with the songs you're that... potentially not and and i think from when i first met you it's obviously different when you get to know someone and now i feel like you're a friend and i'm at, but i remember my first um impression impression of you being firstly in the session, like I learned a lot songwriting. I find it very interesting. The, the, the guy that you went in a session with and uh, he told me some of his methods and, and, and how that had rubbed off. And you know, I found the whole writing session very um, educational for me. And I took a lot from it, believe it or not. And you wouldn't have known that. Um, but also the fact that you, you know, you, you got very solid streaming numbers and you'd had a cut on FIFA. Um, it's probably a case of you being you and not being able to see the bigger picture and the progression. And actually there's a very, 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 very few number of people that achieve where you are even right now. Um, and I, and I do take that very seriously. And I have, I've had very deep discussions with a, a good friend of mine called Gareth Emery, who's, who's played the biggest festivals and arenas around the world. And it's like, and he taught me that lesson very sternly because I've, as I'm sure, and I, I always have to be completely honest in these podcasts because the point of doing this isn't to pretend I'm something I'm not. It's like, I absolutely am criminal of always wanting more. I always want to do it's, big, big You have to venues. do that though, Mark. Bigger venues, bigger numbers. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's like, if you don't sit down and meditate on the things that you have done and achieved, it's like, you're never going to be happy. And thank God I had those brutal conversations. This was like years ago and I was out in LA and I was having a, having a, a time of my life and all these writing sessions and stuff like that. And I was going to write a hit and I was going to do this. And this guy like really leveled me down. It was like, it's exactly like you said. It's like, just realize what you've got. And especially with my, the fan base that I have and the, and the things that I'm doing with all the, the platforms out there, I, I have such a huge sense of gratitude for, for everything. And it is nice to be reminded of that. So, so yeah. I see that though. It's not that I think it's more of a, a reflect and be proud of what you've mm, achieved it, because yeah. actually what you've achieved, thousands and thousands and thousands of musicians would that would be the pinnacle of the success. Mm. Like they would, that would, they would love to say that would be, um, you are, you are, are living and have lived a lot of musicians dreams, you know, particularly as, as an independent musician and the things that you've achieved, but always wanting more, you have to, mm. because what, what, again, what's the goal with that? You, you, you reflect and think, Oh my God, that's amazing. I had an amazing career. Well, like put it this I'll, way, I'll just chill out now. Like, likewise to you, like having, and again, it, it sounds terrible to keep going back to social media, but like the following that you've developed, I've been in awe of it and I've been inspired to be like, I'm going to get on that platform as well and compete because it's, it's great to see where you are and loads of people are going to be looking at you going you, that you've made it. Like, cause that's how it feels like you look at your profile. You've <laughs> just got, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people on there interacting with you on, on a daily basis. And it's very strange. 
isn't it? it that it, it is very strange. And and I and do you take stock and do you realise that what you're doing and take those moments? Not to- enough. No, not enough. But also, it's it, it's a case of you know if if. I need to. I need to take stock when I start to beat myself up, right? You know, um, that's when I need to take stock and be proud of what I've achieved. But if we don't keep um, wanting more, then we'll we'll never grow. So, the, what the, does the, more look like for you? Like, if you could start to pack up what you want to try and achieve in, say, the next two to three years, what are you? Well, I, well, I can't speak for you, but I think we're probably in a similar position as the the reason why we did that is because we wanted to be musicians, working musicians, successful working musicians with a career in the music industry in whatever regard, in whatever um, regard for, for a period of time or my life. I want to, I want to do music for the rest of my life. Maybe when I'm 40, 50, 60, maybe I'll go into teaching or something else, but I want to be mm. involved and be a working musician for the rest of my life. That's, that's, that's the goal, not numbers on, on TikTok and Instagram, albeit they help and they are and they are helping enormously, mm. um, and them tools are very useful. And every musician should be should be using them. I also think coming back to the what we were talking about before with um, saying just go away for two years and write or the hit be song on paradox. Media, yeah, I feel like I can, I actually feel like now I'm in the routine with it with content. Mm. It's not a chore. Mm. It's kind of like kind of like going going to the gym. It's kind of like eating at a certain time every day. It's 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 a routine, so it's it's not really taking. Don't get me wrong. Like sometimes I do multiple takes and I need to let things go, but it's not stealing me and my energy. Like I can write, and I am in a period now, particularly in in the lockdown, where I've just been like, right, this is this next couple of months. I'm just right, 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 getting a bunch of songs, getting ahead of myself, but I'm still putting the content out. So I think you can do both. Once you get in the routine of it, if you've got the work ethic and the and the ability to kind of distinguish with that, so I mean, tell me what <clears throat> what have you got on the horizon? Though? What are you working on now, and what's coming up for Tim Gallagher? Like, what's happening in your spheres? Well, um, I was releasing a song on the first Friday of every month mm-hmm. since July. That's um, a big commitment. It's a big commitment, and um, I was running it till the end of. This year, have you, and I released. Have you derailed uh, it already? I'm out, Mark. <laughs> I've gone. I've 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 bottled it. I've choked. No, there's there's very good reason behind it. And I'll, I'll tell you for why. Um, <laughs> yeah, I put a single out first Friday of every month. Mm. Then in December, I put out an album as like a thank you, which is like the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Like I could have thanked people in other ways <laughs> than doing a 13 track album <laughs> and like completely um, setting myself back. God knows how many months. Um, but no, I put that out, continue to run it this year. Uh, and everything that has happened through TikTok, mm. it kind of segues back into what we were talking about before. Um, I've now started to have conversations with, so I'm in the process of, 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 of rebuilding the team of people around me. And I'm having conversations with people in the industry. When you say conversations, gonna... you're talking record deals here. Well, not, yeah. Mm. Record deals, management, um, influential people. Mm within the industry. Um, I've put myself in a fortunate enough position where then people are interested and I think will be on board with me releasing music in the future. So for now, this might not all transpire. We know what it's like. Yeah, things could fall yeah, yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah. Things could things could fall apart. But I think that's gonna happen. So I have a load of songs 
that I'm now going to release. We're going to re-strategize and release them a team. It's not going to be a case of, I can't do the songs. I've done it. I've put the work yeah, in. Yeah. Like they're there. Um, it's about giving them songs the best opportunity, re-strategizing with a new team. And um, yeah, just giving them the best. I feel like I'm at a little bit of, it's come at the perfect time. I feel like I'm at a little bit of a roadblock. I think that song a month has, has served its purpose. It's done everything that um, it needed to do for me to now. Um, and, you know, I've got 27 songs on on Spotify. I think 21 or 22 of them have been released since July. Wow. So um, there's plenty for people to dig into. If new fans come on board, it's not as if it's it's a it's a stale place. Like There's plenty of fresh things to... Um, people can listen to until I release again yeah so um, it's definitely served its purpose and then hopefully going forward um, these songs are marketed in a way and and and, and given their best chance of of success well mate but we'll see. I mean, we, we will see because my plan is we'll do this again down the line and I know that for people listening to this this podcast are going to really appreciate like being able to get that insight from from you and what's happening behind the scenes and as you build this new team as we do look back on our hit song paradox that we'll, we'll hit a little bit down the line. I just wanted to say thank you for, for being a part of this and, and coming on board with this. I'm sure I'm going to see you in a writing room very soon. Um, but yeah, it's it's been great having you on and, and let's see where all of this goes. Now you're welcome, man. It's been fun. I hope I didn't, I felt like I waffled a little bit, but uh, hopefully there's something of some value that I said somewhere within this. Right, podcast. How long have we been on for? Podcasts are all about waffling, aren't they? Yeah, we, ha- we have indeed. <laughs> all right, well, dude, take care. Nice one, mate. I'll catch you soon.